and Georgia's still in my playoff. They've given me no reason to to think otherwise. In fact, they've done a lot to prove that I'm that I'm right and solidify that pick. Um, and I and I do think that that they will will get there eventually. That was Barrett Sally, college football writer and analyst for CBS Sports. He and our co-host Tony Waller sat down to chat earlier today for a mid-season look at the college football landscape. You'll hear them discuss Georgia's 7-0 start and also get Barrett's take on which teams might make it all the way to the college football playoff when all is said and done. Other than the dogs, he's high on one other national brand team, and if he's right and they keep winning, it could throw the pecking order for the final four spots into complete chaos. But isn't that what we like anyway? Of course it is, as long as UGA keeps winning, right? Hey there, my name is Scott Duvall, and you're listening to episode 108 of the Waiting Since Last Saturday podcast. You could consider this a bonus episode of sorts. It was a surprise to me when I received the file in my inbox this morning, so that's why I'm calling it a bonus episode. And don't worry, Will, Tony, and I will be recording our own off-week preview show this week. Previewing off-week, <laughs> I suppose. We'll build on some of the things that you hear Barrett and Tony discuss in this episode and more. So thanks a lot to Barrett Sally, and thanks to Tony as well. Here's episode 108. This is Tony here for the Waiting Since Last Saturday podcast. I'm with Barrett Sally of CBSSports.com. Barrett, how are you doing today? I'm good, man. What's going on? Not a thing. Just happy to be uh, surviving through uh, through week seven and very happy to have an off week. Um, you know, we talk about on the podcast how I, I am I am kind of the naysayer now, even though I agreed with you that I thought Georgia would have a good season. I did not. It was not quite as optimistic as a couple of my co-hosts. And I, I got to be honest, you know, I give you props when when they're due. You catch a lot of flack about being <laughs> this or that, but uh, so far you've nailed Georgia. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, I, I did pick them to go to the playoff before the season, and and here they are, seven and zero. They're seven seven and zero going to uh, the bye week and then the cocktail party. So yeah, I mean, I. I I thought Georgia was going to be basically what they are. Um, and look, I, the one thing I, I can't stand, and I think I told you this last time I was on, is in the offseason, we fall into this group think, oh, not we, but um, a lot of people fall into this group think, you know, trend where, like, everybody had Alabama, Ohio State, Florida State, and USC in the, in the playoff. Well, those were the top four preseason teams. If you pick those four teams to go to the playoff, A, you're dumb because there's no way that's ever going to happen. And B, you're lazy because you're not looking at what teams actually are. And, and I looked at Georgia and I said, look, they, they've got a, a solid foundation and a changing landscape of the SEC that I think they can benefit from. And, and they have. And, and so I'm, I'm fully content. In fact, you know, this week on CBS, we revisited, uh, or we will and, and all week revisit our, our preseason predictions and sort of, you know, take 2.0 picks on, on a lot of different things. And, and Georgia's still in my playoff. Um, they've given me no reason to to think otherwise. In fact, they've done a lot to prove that I'm that I'm right and solidify that pick. Um, and I and I do think that that they will will get there eventually. And that's one of the things I I like to give you credit for because you are not Mark May. You do not ignore your bad picks. You will completely own those. And <laughs> I, I tell you, it's uh it's is refreshing to see. So you know, talk on those lines. I, I thought Georgia would win the East, but I I even I am surprised at how well they have played defensively and offensively. But who who do you think is the biggest SEC threat to Georgia at this point? Yeah, I mean on their schedule right now. I mean we have to take Alabama off because sure. they're not technically on the schedule yet it's it's still auburn and here's the thing with auburn is is i picked them to 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 win the west this year the loss to lsu was concerning but i think anybody that's watched auburn this year knows that when they're at their best 
Like they're they're legit. Like they're a national championship caliber team. The problem is Gus Malzahn has coached scared in two separate road games leading to both of their losses. And and because of that, you look at the rest of their schedule and say, okay, AM, Georgia, and Alabama are still on it. Well, their floor is still probably seven and five. So you wonder if Gus Malzahn's gonna actually get it. You wonder if he's going to to coach to win rather than than coach not to lose. And the way he's operated throughout his Auburn career suggests that he's probably not going to be any less stubborn than he already is, and that's going to be a major problem. With that said, what if Auburn does exactly what it did against LSU in the first half to Georgia in the first half, but instead of field goals, they get touchdowns? The game's over, right? Even if you coach scared. So the biggest threat is definitely Auburn. It's in Jordan Hare for, for, uh, for, for Georgia. I know Georgia's own Auburn. I think it's eight of the last 10, whatever. But that team, and I think, I think anybody can agree, when they're on, they are almost impossible to stop. But the stubbornness of the coaching staff and the flat-out refusal to make simple adjustments is what's extremely concerning, and it, it's what makes them very volatile this year. Well, you know, interesting you talk about stubbornness. Looks like Coach O, uh, that, that old dog's learned a new trick maybe, finally let yeah. his, his coordinator's coach and, you know, him him give motivational speeches and talk about, you know, whatever what it is. Right, ball. Um, so I, I loved your observation on SEC Smothered and Covered uh, that he is he has finally becoming the coach everyone thought he couldn't become. He has. Uh, you know, he, he, he lied to everybody this offseason. Like he flat out did. He, he said that he was going to be uh, a, a more of a CEO. He said that he learned from his mistakes at Ole Miss. He said that he uh, has evolved as a head coach. And I believed him. A lot of people believed him. Uh, not to a point where I thought they'd be competitive in the West, but from a personal standpoint, I, you know, I'm, I'm a firm believer that a lot of first-time head coaches really screw up, and, and they learn from it because you have to make decisions that you're not used to making. And I thought that he – he did learn from it because he'd had success on an interim basis at USC and LSU, and 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 that was enough. And it turns out I was wrong. He did not learn. At least through the month of September, it was clear he he was was stubborn. He was a control freak. He did everything that he did at Ole Miss for the first month at LSU, and then he got under a ton of pressure. The Florida week came, and there, you know he had the meetings with the AD. He had the players only meetings. He had all that stuff. And he finally did what he said that he was going to do all along. And it's paid off for 30 minutes against Florida. The offense worked. Florida stopped it um, in the second half, but they still held on against Auburn. He stuck to it. Uh, He got some players healthy. Darius Geis was as healthy as he's been in a long time. And he made it work. Uh, What's the upside for that program? I don't know. Is it better than Auburn consistently? Probably not. But he's doing exactly what he said he was going to do. And since he's got those coordinators, it's working. Now, I think the trick is, Okay, what happens when those coordinators get hired by somebody else uh, as head coaches? Because if he's going to continue to operate this way, like Dabo Sweeney did early in his career at Clemson, you've got to continually be ahead of the game, ahead of the curve, and find the coordinators who can make you one step ahead uh, and, and guys that you can trust. And I don't, we don't know if he can do that yet, but for right now it's working just fine. You know, it's interesting. I, I'd long advocated leaving the interim tag on him forever uh, because you're exactly right. When you look at what he did as an interim at Southern Cal and interim at LSU, 
you know, it was obvious his job was to go in and rally the troops. He was not an X's and O's guy uh, by any stretch of that. Change, that's, not, that's not what you do as an interim. Um, and then you start the season, and he's clear he's meddling with the offense. It's clear he is not he's not letting the defensive coaches do their job. And, uh, you know, I, for one, I think the SEC is better with um, – with a good LSU, uh, a good Alabama, a good Auburn. Frankly, I, I'm, I'm, while I'm happy George is back, and I'm all too happy as a pers- personally as a fan to to allow to want Georgia to just own the East in the same way maybe Florida did in the 90s. I'm also fine with some competition because I think it makes the conference better. It's certainly a lot more interesting to to watch. Yeah, it does. I mean, it, the thing is like in 14, 15 when you had you know Ole Miss doing its thing, uh, not and 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 Mississippi State was up to number one. It it was different. It didn't feel right. And like when, when Auburn, LSU and Alabama, and you can even throw Texas A&M in there, even though they're the new kid, those are the power programs who are, that are supposed to be power programs that, you know, everyone says, Oh, we love the underdog story. No, you don't. No, you don't. You, you like power programs doing power things. And it went, the, the West is better when those teams are doing it. The East is best when it's Georgia, Florida, Tennessee. And it's been so long in either division that we since we've had you know that kind of of hierarchy and i just wish it would come back and it does seem like it is coming back uh in the west in the east i think georgia's on the brink of something uh very alabama-ish i've tried to stay away from that comparison just because i wanted to be georgia but i'll you know i think i'll take it in the spirit which you mean it is a merely as a metaphor um so, <laughs> so kind of what's been your biggest surprise sec surprise this season uh, the biggest one to me, I, I would say, I, I Mississippi State. Uh, I know they're not sexy, and I know Georgia blew them out, and I know Auburn blew them out. They're still a good, really good football team. I, I think that team, like there are Mississippi State folks right now that are mad at Nick Fitzgerald. Like what? <laughs> like, like you're you're mad because what? He's not Dak. You know that team right now. I think they're a legit. Eight and four, nine and three caliber football program. And they're going to go to a, a pretty solid pool of six bowl. And I you know, like pool of six, and no one really knows what that is now. And it may be the Texas Bowl or the Liberty Bowl, whatever. Like they're, they're good. Like they're a legitimately good football team. And at the time they lost to Georgia and Auburn, I thought that was more a compliment to those two programs that won rather than indictments of, 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 of Mississippi State. They, they've got a great offense. They've got a great play caller. They've got, a defense that I look you, you and I talked about this for a long time. I used to hate Todd Grantham. I thought he was a terrible, terrible coach <laughs> at Georgia, and and he's changed and he's done a good job. And that that team to me is a legitimately good football team. And I had I picked them last in the West, and and they're not going to finish there. I don't know. If folks will say, well, Texas A and M's resurgence is, is the biggest surprise. Well, I, I picked Texas A and M to go nine and three. And I do look looking at their schedule. They're probably going to go nine and three. It's not the same nine, not the same three, but. Um, Mississippi State to me is I think that's a, a really good football team. Yeah, I think Mississippi State could either they or AM is probably gonna be the first pick out of that 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 pool of six bowls. I mean, you know, they they're staring a Gator Bowl, I'm sorry, Tax Slayer Bowl or Outback Bowl <laughs> in the face. So I think that's they probably, are and they're good they right. deserve it. Yeah, they absolutely. deserve it. Absolutely. So what's been your biggest national surprise? Uh the biggest national surprise uh, uh, people would say Michigan's not being great, but I, I didn't think Michigan would be great. It's, it's honestly, it's, it's Notre Dame, and I know folks haven't really paid attention to Notre Dame outside of Athens because they played each other, but 
Notre Dame's a national championship contender. Like, I, I don't think people realize that yeah. and want to say that. <laughs> they legitimately are a national championship contender right now. And, and you know, I, a, a, a one-point loss to Georgia is is not a bad loss by any stretch. Does, it does not eliminate Notre Dame. Even if Georgia makes the playoff, it doesn't eliminate Notre Dame from the playoff. And their their offensive line is so, so good. And, and I, people just want to hate them because – of those two numbers, four and eight. And check this. How can you, if you, if Notre Dame runs the table, USC, NC State, Wake Forest, Miami, Navy, Stanford, all of those teams are either top 25 teams or just fell out of the top 25, uh, with the exception of Wake, which is still a pretty good team. If they run that table, not only are they in the playoff, they might be the one seed. Yeah, <laughs> because that, of their possible. strength of schedule. Yeah, that's right. I mean, look, I, I thought I thought Notre Dame was going to be resurgent. I, I had them and uh, picked uh, from from almost from the get go in a, a New Year's Six bowl. Um, and you know, people will say that all Notre Dame has to do is is get to nine and three and they get there. But I think they'll be far better than nine and three. And I think they could well be eleven and one and sniffing the playoff as well. Um, well, if they're eleven and one, they're in the playoff. Yeah, I mean, I there's that's, no, there's that's no probably, doubt in my mind. That's probably right. So, um, you know. We're now to the part of the season, and you have talked a lot about Butch Jones, and I don't think there's uh, there's any doubt that if you had to pick a coach that's not going to be not going to see December first, it it would be Butch. Um, so you shouldn't have seen October first. Well, there has, there there's a long argument for that too, but um, so who who are some surprise names that might be coaching the SEC at 2018? You know, I I personally think the A and M job has a good shot of being open now because someone's getting fired i think he's going to go over that fence this time um and even dan mullen he it it might not get better than this for him so it i don't want burke to go anywhere because i think he's a national treasure but yeah right so yeah i mean i think you're looking at tennessee's that i mean tennessee's open obviously Ole miss is open i think arkansas depends on the landscape if if arkansas looks around and sees tennessee a&m nebraska ucla Ole Miss, I mean, what's the point? I mean, honestly, at that. And and they're not going to let Jeff Long make the next hire anyway. So I, I just don't know if they can, you know, have that kind of turnover within an athletics department that quickly. I think Mullen would, would run on hot coal to Tennessee. And I think at this point he's probably realized he's met his ceiling at, at Mississippi State. And, and he needs to probably go where he can get better players and, and do more with it. And he'd kill it at Tennessee. The most surprising name I, I would imagine coaching in the SEC, Mike Bobo. At Tennessee, I think is is not as outlandish as people realize because I know people say, well, they're not going to go down the Georgia route again because look what happened with Derek Dooley. Last time I checked, Mike Bobo and Derek Dooley are two separate people. Yeah. They're not the same person. Uh, so if, if and Colorado State's sneaky good, and if if let's just say Tennessee doesn't want to poach an SEC program, or Dan Mullen says no. Mike Bobo has been preparing for an SEC job for his entire tenure in Fort Collins. Like, there's a reason oh, yeah. a quarter of that roster are made up of Georgia guys. Oh yeah. Um, no, I don't, so, I don't. I don't think it's it's hard to argue with that. I mean, yeah, um, he knows what's happening. So, I, and here's here's one that I think um, that Jeff Brom at at Purdue. I know he's only been there for one year. I know he wants an SEC job, and there's going to be one school if there's a lot opens uh, of openings. Jeff Brom. Some school is going to get him and lock him down so somebody else can. I could see a, a Kirby Smart situation happening with Jeff Brom because, I mean, you guys know, Kirby Smart was South Carolina's head coach. Like, that was going to happen. And 
basically McGarity was like, no, we got to get our guy now. Let's go get our guy now. Some school is going to say, okay, we got to go get him now before somebody else does. Hey, I think Brom and the SEC would be very interesting. And mm-hmm. before you're like, well, he's a Purdue coach, take a look at what they're doing. Man. Purdue's good. Yeah. Yeah. And take they're a look at what really he did as other coaching stops. I mean, it's, it's really impressive. So. Well, you know, before you go, I, one of the things we talked about your Twitter engagement earlier, I'd love to know. So what's your favorite Twitter follow that most people wouldn't know about? Like just, I mean, you know, I even allow a bachelorette one because it's even though it's not my that's not my jam. Um, you know, in terms of college football, uh, there's a guy who uh, he works for Southern Pigskin, which is not a site that a lot of people know. Matt Smith, CFB. Matt Smith's a really good guy, and he's very insightful. And I think he's only, he, he has less than 2,000 followers. So go follow Matt Smith CFB. That guy is uh, is very good at what he does, and and not a lot of people know about him. And I think he's kind of content with where he is. And uh, you know he's he does a fantastic job uh, on the Twitter machines uh, with college football. Now, when it comes to comedy, um, and, you know. <laughs> There are a lot of people out there that uh, that rip uh, every day should be Saturday. But, man, that guy, uh, I know he has his his, you know, uh, political leanings and people don't like that sometimes. He just cracks me up every time. Yeah, that they uh, Spencer Hall's off. Yes. Yes. Spencer. Spencer Hall is uh, he is he was probably the first person I followed on Twitter a long time ago. So, yeah, people, you know, because of the the the. A polarizing world that we live in right now. Um, I think he, there are a lot of Twitter accounts that have gone in, in directions where, you know, half the society doesn't like them and half does one way or the other. Um, another one, Mark Zeno, who is on, uh, was on 92.9 and got laid off. He's fantastic as well. Awesome, man. Well, I certainly appreciate you taking the time. Glad to hear you are on the mend. I think we're all smarter folks with you writing about college football. George fans, you can follow Barrett Sally at Twitter at Barrett Sally, B-A-R-R-E-T-T-S-A-L-L-E-E. Read his uh, musings and other very important things at CBSSports.com. Also, Barrett, you have a fantastic SEC football podcast called SEC Smothered and Covered. You always have the greatest guest on there. Anytime you and Booger McFarland start talking, it's just like it's must listen. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's uh, it's fun to do that. You know, podcasts are uh, are you know, everyone you know, everyone does one now. It seems, and it, it's the, the format is so fluid and it's not structured, which is I think uh, good because, I mean, let's be honest. We're this is fun. It's supposed to be fun, and when you have guests on that don't take the game too seriously, but still are able to break it down, like Booger and like Spears and some other guys, it makes for good content. And look, we, we all can have real football conversations we also can have a lot of fun too that that absolutely is allowed awesome man well barrett thanks as always for joining us and uh we'll check in with you later in the season and i appreciate all you do for us thanks uh anytime and thanks so much for listening on behalf of tony and will i'd like to thank barrett for taking time out of his busy schedule to share his serious college football insight with us and you the listeners you can follow Barrett on Twitter at Barrett Sally, that's B-A-R-R-E-T-T-S-A-L-L-E-E. And check out his own podcast, SEC Smothered and Covered. I'll link both his Twitter and podcast feed in the show notes of this episode. Keep up the Apple Podcast reviews and questions. I think we've received four or five new ones since last week. One is especially good. And no, it's not me leaving a review for our own show. But you'll hear it later this week on episode 109. Find our show on Twitter at WSLS Podcast and at Podcast Podcast. 
No, we're not selling bourbon out of casks. It's a podcast. So that's WSLS podcast. You'd think I'd get that right by as many shows as I've done this for. But I digress. Uh, you can ask us a question that way if you've already left us a review via Apple Podcasts or iTunes, whatever they call it now. Or you're like Tony and just don't carry an iPhone. So check us out later this week for our preview show. And we will see you on campus next month, the month of November. And I can't end this podcast without saying one thing. I'll say, go dogs. I was kind of anticlimactic, but I said it anyway. That's the end of this show. Thanks for listening to episode 108. Take care. We'll check you later.